This is a new month. We started a new month today, and so we're going to take a, a new study theme. And I thought at least once a year we need to be reminded of why we're here. We're here because we don't want to be here. There is coming a time when Jesus said, I'm coming to take you away. Amen. And as we see the world going crazy and getting worse, Scripture says perilous times shall come. Well, that was when it was written. We can actually say perilous times are here. I mean, every day, if you listen to the news, you'd be depressed. (laughs) You'd have no hope. If in this life alone... We had hope, the Bible says, we would be as men most miserable. If this was all there was to life, then I could understand why some people who are in a hopeless situation may be tempted to kill themselves. But this is not all there is. There is a God. He is real. He can deliver. He can save to the uttermost, the Bible says. And so we're going to take this month to just, at least on Sunday mornings, we're going to look and study uh, our hope, our hope is not in, my hope is not in my job. My hope is not in my retirement. You know, it may not be there. Who knows what will happen? My hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus kept on telling his disciples about all the things that were going to happen and, and the signs. You know, they, they thought when Jesus came that he came to free them from the Romans, to, to set back up the kingdom of Israel. And he gave them a private briefing, and you find in Matthew 24. And after he told them all these things, they asked him, when shall these things be? So that's going to be our topic this month. When shall these things be? We need to be reminded uh, of where we are in God's timeline because uh, we are right on the cusp. Amen. We are right on the edge of a lot of things uh, being fulfilled that we will have lived to see. Matthew 24, verse 3 will be our focus scripture for this next uh, few uh, Sundays. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? They asked him three questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? There are actually three separate questions. A lot of people think it's one question, but there are actually three separate questions. We're going to look at when shall these things be. And so we we want to be as Christians aware of what's going on around us, of what the Bible says is about to happen. Written thousands of years ago, God already predicted the future. Amen. Thousands of years ago. You know, it wasn't no chance that the wise men came looking for Jesus Uh, They didn't know the scriptures, but they came to King Herod and say, where is he that is to be born king of the Jews? Herod didn't know either, but he knew where to go look. (laughs) Do you know where to go look? See, you may not know it right now, but if you have God's word, you know where to go look. So he asked the scribes and the, 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 the lawyers to go look it up, and they were able to tell him in the book of Micah, it says, in Bethlehem. Epaphrata. It says where Jesus was going to be born. Hundreds of years before he was going to be born, King Herod was able to look it up and tell the wise men, you got to go to Bethlehem. Because it says in Bethlehem is where he's going to be born. In Bethlehem, Epaphrata, that's where he's going to be born. See, the Bible already has all these things 
down before they happen. It's God's signature to prove that this book is not some book of fables or some myths, but it is the word of God. Because only God could foretell hundreds of years, thousands of years, the future. Amen. So we're going to look at that this month and kind of catch up where we are because the Bible says to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. You know, my mortgage doesn't get paid off until I think 2050. (laughs) Well, with my age, you know, that's not going to (laughs) happen. You know, I might not even get to pay off my car. And I'm not worried about that either. Amen. Because if Jesus comes, you can have it. Amen. You know, we have to be, have our mind, our focus set on, Bible says, on things above. If you look at things on earth, you're going to get depressed. You're going to get down. If I was to just consider just the earthly things, I would be depressed. But I know that my Redeemer liveth. In the midst of his tribulation, in the midst of all his suffering, in the midst of his sickness, in the midst of his losing his family, losing his wealth. You know what Job was able to say? I know that my Redeemer liveth. And one day I'm going to see him for myself. The key difference between Job and Solomon, even though Solomon was the wisest man, is that Job believed in the resurrection. He believed in an afterlife. He believed there was more to life than what he saw. Solomon wrote, you know, vanity of vanities, all is vanities. It doesn't seem to, it, to, to benefit you if you're rich or you're poor. You're all going to the same place. And that's where he ended his, his verse. But Job was able to say, I believe that my Redeemer... In fact, he goes stronger than he says, I know. He goes beyond just saying, I, I believe. He says, I know. I'm asking you, the do you know that your Redeemer liveth? Our cross is empty for a reason. <laughs> He's not here. He is risen. Go tell his disciples. You know, next week, actually, Tuesday night at sunset is the actual beginning of the Jewish Passover. It's Tuesday at sunset. I know we celebrate today's Palm Sunday when we we, uh, celebrate Jesus presenting himself uh, into Jerusalem for the first time and allowing them to acknowledge him as being king. But the actual, the actual date of, of Passover is actually Tuesday at sunset. Now, the feast that the Jews keep, because it's a seven-day feast, because they kept the bread, the feast of the bread of, um, of unleavened bread for seven days, so they, they run it today from Tuesday to Tuesday. They run it seven days. But the actual Passover will start at sunset. So approximately, you know, 2,000 years ago, at this time, Jesus was uh, about to celebrate the, the Lord's Supper. He, he was about to, to have some, some fellowship with his disciples. And he took them up on the mountain and uh, outside of Jerusalem, which I'm hoping to visit this year. God willing, amen. He sat upon the Mount of the Olives and the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, because he'd been preaching about all these things are going to happen. He said, you see this Jerusalem? Herod had built this magnificent temple. It had taken him almost 40 years in the building. It wasn't as great as Solomon's in that it wasn't gold, but it was still 
one of the seven wonders of the then known world. It was huge, much bigger than Solomon's temple. It, the dome was covered with a, a white marble that when the sun's rays caught it, they said it, it would shine. And Jesus saw this and he wept. Because he knew that in 40 years' time, what would happen? That the Romans would come and they would destroy this temple. He said, you see this thing? There shall not be one stone left on another. Now, those stones were not little stones. Some of them were bigger than the stones that make the pyramid. Some of those stones were 50 tons. The Romans were so desperate to get every single bit of gold out that they didn't care that the stones were 50 tons. They marshaled whatever numbers was needed to absolutely tear the temple apart because they were looking for gold. On the Ark, the Triumph, not the Ark, the Triumph, but on the Triumphal Ark in Rome, it's celebrated. You can see, if you go to Rome, a picture of the, of, of the, the general, his name was Titus, who destroyed Rome, destroyed Jerusalem. And you can see on there, they have a picture of the menorah that they stole, the golden menorah, and they took everything out of the temple they could. But of course, one thing wasn't really there because it had disappeared before. Ark of the Covenant had gone. So they got everything but the Ark of the Covenant. So Jesus was telling his disciples, this is what's going to happen. So they said, when are these things going to be? And it seems that we are now living in the time when some of these things are going to be fulfilled. Amen. I want to go over some terms, though, before we start, so that people have heard all these words, um, and they don't really have a good foundation of what they mean. Some end-time terms, tribulation. The Bible speaks about tribulation, and then it speaks about the great tribulation, and we speak about the rapture, and we speak about the second coming, because the way we teach it, they're not the same thing. We talk about the millennium. So we're going to go through some of these terms so that we're all on the same page when we start to go through God's word and get a good understanding of where we are. So the tribulation. In Matthew 24 29, in the same discussion, Jesus said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. See, God is going to have to finally interfere. Man's lease on this planet is about to expire. In Genesis, he, he gave it to man. He said, you have dominion, multiply, subdue. But it was only for a, a, a time. Man failed to complete the terms of the lease. And so man's lease is about to expire. And we're going to see some... Some celestial things happen. Just uh, last week, I don't know if you're watching the news, but there was an asteroid that passed close. In fact, it came between the earth and the moon. That's how close it was. And that wasn't a very big one. They said that would have only been, uh, if it had hit, it could have maybe destroyed a city. But there's some much bigger ones that they have no clue about. Because they have telescopes can't find them because they're too close to the sun. So the sun blots them out. And when they see them, it's a little bit too late. There's going to be some celestial things happen that the Bible speaks about. We're going to get back a little bit more about this tribulation. In Daniel 99 verse 27, uh, prophesying about this time, it says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week or one set of seven. And so we know the Bible speaks about this seven-year period called the tribulation. In 
In the King James Version, it calls it a week, but it's really, in the Hebrew, seven. And in the middle of the seven, he shall cause the sacrifice, an oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Now, that sounds so mysterious, so deep. You know what? God does not make everything plain except to his people. And the reason why he has not made everything plain is because he doesn't want the devil to know. (laughs) He doesn't want the devil to know. The devil was surprised when Jesus came and when he went to the cross. He was surprised. He didn't know what was going to happen. He thought if he killed him, as I've taught before, Jesus could only go back to heaven. And then the high priest declared him the sin offering. And that changed everything. All of a sudden, Satan said, wait a minute. If I kill him now, you know where he's going? He's going down. He's coming down to my place. That was not the plan. That's not what I wanted him to do. I just wanted to kill him and get him out the way. Because Jesus was not qualified to go to the grave. The Bible said he was sinless. He was sinless. If you kill, if you could have killed him, the only place Jesus could have gone back to was heaven. Until when he was arrested. As we celebrate this week coming up. And he was brought before the high priest. And the high priest said it's better that one man should die for the sin of the nation. Than our whole nation be taken away by the Romans. And then the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit made him, compelled him to say that. He in his role as high priest was now designating Jesus as being the sin offering. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, it's for this cause came I into the world so that he could die for you and me. And it's at that point, of course, that Judas changes his mind. We can't have this right now. We, we don't mind him dying, but he can't die as the sin offering. And he goes to the high priest and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I changed my mind. Here's the money. He's a good man. Release him. But, of course, that doesn't work. And the devil keeps trying different things up to the very point on the cross where he says, listen, if you will come down, we'll worship you. If you come down, then we'll believe you. But Jesus already told his disciples, for this cause came I into the world. So we see that the Bible predicted in Daniel that he would be crucified. If you read it, it says he will be cut off in the middle of the three and a half year period. So there's the tribulation, which is the whole seven year period. And then there's the last three and a half, which is called the great tribulation. And the great tribulation is really when God's wrath is poured out upon this planet. Imagine if you were God and you had created this perfect world. Not a thing wrong with it. In fact, as I've quoted so many times, Genesis 1.31, and God saw and said it was not just good, but very good. Imagine you'd created this perfect paradise. And you'd made everything perfect. There was not a flaw. There was nothing wrong. There was, no, there was no sweat. There was no labor. Everything was free. All you had to do was just keep the garden. And within five verses, chapters of Genesis, you see in chapter 5, it says that the earth was filled with violence. As in the days of Noah, 
so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. It's in this very chapter that we're talking about. Jesus quotes back to what happened that brought judgment in the day of Noah. The earth had become so violent and corrupt that they forced God's hand. It says, it's the first time it says that God changed his mind. It said it repented that he had created man upon the earth. We're almost at that point. When you think of all the, the injustice, the murders, the rapes, the child molestation, the things that are going on, even in just one city, if God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, certainly he, when he looks at this planet, it must, it must tear him up. But he's a God of mercy. And he's a God of justice, so he has waited so long. But there is coming a time when the lease on this planet is up. And God's judgment is going to fall. And this is the period, the three and a half years, that is called the Great Tribulation. Even in that, there will be some people who recognize and repent. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, said, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, in his vision of the end times, John saw these people that were clothed in white linen. And the creature said to him, do you know who these are? He says, I don't. Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Because of what Jesus did that we're going to be celebrating, we can wash our robes symbolically in his blood. So let's look at the other end time terms, rapture. And we're going to go through all of these in much more detail over the next month. And this is the one that concerns us. It's in 2 Thessalonians. It says, for the Lord himself will come down or descend from heaven with, with a shout. This is a modern translation. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. No, I think it's 4. 416, sorry. You know, on my way here, I was driving past Graceland Cemetery. And I was thinking about the fact, and this, I don't know why this came to me. You know, if the Lord were to tarry, probably that's where I'd end up. My parents are buried in that cemetery. But if I'm alive, you know what's going to happen? The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall arise first. After that, and we who are alive, still alive, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with those words. That's our hope. That's our plan. You see, the reason for the rapture is because this earth is going to become a jail. It's going to become a place of punishment. So you know what God is going to do before he does that? going to take his children out. Then at the end of the seven years is the actual reign and rule of Christ when he permanently returns to enforce his rule. Behold, he cometh with the clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And then the Bible speaks that there will be a thousand years, a millennium of peace on earth, where Christ literally bodily reigns from Jerusalem. And the reason why it's going to be so peaceful is the devil's going to be locked up. 
Revelation 20, verse 20, laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Amen. So those are some of the terms we're going to go into. And we're going to study that because we need to be reminded why we come here. I'm coming here not because I I don't like my bed on Sunday mornings. Isn't that the best sleep on Sunday mornings? (laughs) Doesn't the bed feel the warmest on Sunday mornings? Man, I had an alarm set. (laughs) And I was wanting to just push it off the desk. Can't be that time yet. Amen. All right, let's look at this. Jesus told us, he said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Anyone been in a mansion? All right. I've been in a few mansions. I I went to, when I was living in England, I went to Hampton Court, which was the, the palace that was built by Henry VIII. Huge, probably like two city blocks. And then I've, I've been able to tour a few other, uh, multi-million dollar places. One, one day when we were living in Michigan, they had one of them open houses and, uh, there was this house that was built on a golf course. And so, I don't know, we had nothing to do. I said, let's go see this house. Not that we could buy it or anything, but we just want to see how the other, other half lived. So, this had four, four car garage, a, a mother-in-law, like, mansion and you know one of them walk-in showers where you got the showers from either side and steaming and music and all other stuff and it was right built on the river so there was this huge yacht pulled up right beside where you could walk from out you know that may have been a, a little mansion but what God has got in store will not compare in my father's house are many mansions the bible says that God built the earth and the universe in seven days. And he's been building your mansion for 2,000. So if what we see only took seven days and he's been gone for 2,000, can you imagine? The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has got in store for them that love him. In fact, I know that God has got some surprises. You know, he's got some surprises. John was about to write and he said, don't write. So there's going to be some surprises which will just make our mouth fall open. When we get to heaven, as the song says, there's going to be a rejoicing. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, this is the promise of the rapture. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, he may be also. Well, people say, well, we've been hearing about this since we've been babies. Every time I go to church, they're talking about the coming of the Lord. It's been 2,000 years I'm not so sure it's going to happen. Why didn't it happen in year 1000 or year 1200? Or Well, the reason is there was some key things that had to be in place before that could be fulfilled. The first key thing that the Bible says is Israel. For 2000 years, there was no nation of Israel. Because Jesus is coming back to rule the nation of Israel. There was no nation of Israel until... May 14th, 1948, when the United Nations uh, voted to establish the nation of Israel. From that point on, the clock started counting down. May 14th, 1948. And we've gone quite a few years. So people says, well, 
It's been almost 70 years since the foundation of Israel. It hasn't happened yet. In fact, even that was prophesied. Peter said that people will say from the time I've been the, of my grandfather, they've been talking about this, and it hasn't happened yet. But here's what the Bible says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. From the time of Daniel's prophecy to Jesus was more than 400 years. From the time of Malachi to the wise men coming and finding out where Bethlehem was hundreds of years, and yet it was fulfilled. That Herod was able to say, go to Bethlehem. That's where you'll find him. You see, God's word can never fail. It's the most powerful thing in the universe. And I keep saying it. When God says, let there be, the only answer is? You sure about that? When God says, let there be, the only answer is? Isn't that powerful? If God says, let there be into your life, something's going to change. Something's going to break loose. Something is going to be renewed. Something is going to be healed. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be what? Like his glorious when he did that transfiguration thing, when he took them on the mountain and he changed, he unveiled, he showed them what a glorified son of God is going to look like. He was showing them what we're going to be. Moses just in the reflection of God's presence came down and his face glowed so much that he had to put a veil over it because, you know, he didn't want people to see. But we're going to be light We're going to get back that glory that God created Adam with. As I've said so many times, we are so far from what God created us to be. We are going to be identical to what Jesus was. Identical to what Jesus... The same power that Jesus had, that's what a son of God has. Power over the waves, power over the animals, power over nature. That's what Jesus came to show us, what a son of God will manifest. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Not everyone here is going to pass away, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. You know, scientists really don't have a good reason why we age. It seems as if the cells are programmed after about seven replications to just kill themselves. That's the truth. You can look it up. The, the cells in the human body, they will only replicate so many times and then it's, they, they shut off. They stop replicating. And so they've been trying to find the secret for aging. And, you know, they find little elements, but they can't quite find the key because that's going to come from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We will be changed For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. So Jesus started to give them little clues. When they asked him, when shall these things be? Let's look at the, the chapter now in a little bit more detail. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Jesus said unto them, taking the first clue he said is look out for deception take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying i am christ 
and shall deceive many. And he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that he be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences, COVID, and earthquakes. The earthquake in Turkey just a month ago killed 40,000 people. All of these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. He shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, shall grow cold. And he... But here's the verse, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now here's the real, real, real marker for the end time. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world for a witness unto all nations. And then, it's when the gospel has been preached to all nations, to every language, and then shall the end come. So Jesus was telling him there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to happen between now and then, but it's only when the gospel has been preached as a witness to all nations. So let's look at those, those in a little bit more focus. Let no man deceive you. That tells us that we're right now in the age of deception. The current word is fake. Everything is fake. Fake news, fake this, Right? Uh, people don't believe. In fact, people uh, are not sure what is true anymore, right? Fake. Let no man deceive you. What that tells me is that there are going to be uh, people who say they're Christians, sound like Christians, but aren't Christians. The Bible says it's a little leaven. that leaven, They'll have 99% of the truth for a while, and then they'll reveal themselves. Because he says, they shall come in my name. In other words, they're going to say that they're believers. Right? They're going to say they're believers. We want everybody to get together and sing Kambaya. Let's all be in unity. (laughs) Right? Let's all be in unity. There shall be wars and rumors of war. Well, that goes without saying. But he also says, don't be troubled. These things must come to pass. What you're seeing is fulfillment of Scripture. Of prophecy, but the end is not quite yet. Pestilences, famines, earthquakes, that's all around us. Global warming, strange weather. In fact, how many people just got killed yesterday or the day before? Did you see the pictures of that town? It looked like a bomb or several bombs. The whole town looked like it was destroyed. And then you will face persecution. The early church faced persecution, so why do we think we're not going to face it? You see, it'll be a test. I told you this story before, but in the time of, of, of back then, there were some Roman soldiers were sent to, to arrest some Christians, and they found them in this secret house worshiping, and the captain of the guard came in, and he says, okay, I'm going to give you all a chance. All of you who will... Deny Christianity. If you leave right now, we won't arrest you. And one or two people went out. Then he said, after that, he says, I'm a Christian. 
But I didn't want to reveal myself to people who weren't 100%. (laughs) See, there's going to be tribulation and testing because God is going to see who really means this or just comes because it's Sunday. (laughs) Are you coming because you believe? Are you coming because you want to hear something that's going to encourage you to feed your soul? Are you coming because you want to dress up? Are you coming to worship the King of Kings? We're going to be tested. So far in America, we've, we've kind of gotten away with it, but it's going to get worse. It's going to, right now, there's many countries where you cannot freely worship. If you don't belong to the state religion in China, in fact, if you carry a Bible into China, you can be arrested. In many countries in the Middle East, you can't go about preaching Jesus. They're a Muslim country, right? And you're risking arrest. You're risking being executed. There will be a persecution that comes because when we stick to what the Bible says, it's going to cause people to call us all kinds of names. Right? Because the Bible has certain guidelines for what defines as marriage, doesn't it? So if you don't say that, then you're hate speech. (laughs) But we can't go beyond what the word says. God loves everybody. He would that none be lost. We don't hate anybody. But we also have to say what God says. Amen. Many shall be offended and hate one another and betray each other. Many false prophets shall arise. Now, I'm going to read that again in a modern translation because some of it was maybe not clear on the sequence of events in Second Thessalonians. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. He says, Don't be so easily shaken are alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. There were some people in his time who were saying, you missed it. The rapture has already taken place. The catching away has already taken place. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say. And now here he gives his first big clue about the rapture. He says, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. He's speaking about this person in scripture called the Antichrist. He's saying the rapture will not come until that person is revealed, until we know who it is. But don't use that and think you got a lot of time because it may be today we know who it is and tomorrow is the rapture. The Bible doesn't say how far the gap is. In my personal view, the moment you know who it is, is when the rapture is going to happen. But he's saying the day won't come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God. And every object of worship, he will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Now there have been many people over history that have done that kind of thing, who have claimed to be the Messiah. But this guy is going to have some, some, some things to convince people. The Bible tells us he's going to be able to do some miracles. He's going to be able to call down fire from heaven. I don't know if that means some satellite with a weapon in it, 
But he'll be able to do some things that are going to convince people. He's going to be very charismatic. He's going to speak peace. He's going to look the part. He's going to look like he is a, a great leader. And people are going to believe him. Because deception is the word of the age. Uh, I want to show you something because I've been teaching about this on Tuesday nights. And I showed you some things last Tuesday. I want to show you something now in a little film here. I'd, hopefully you'll be able to see it. Hopefully you'll be able to hear it. But uh, I want to show you how advanced now they are with some of these things. Let me see if I can turn the volume up a minute. Get this volume up. Okay. So what you're seeing there is is what's known as an avatar. Pause one moment. Let me see if I can get that volume up here. I have the right parts here, but what I'm showing you is, and, and I, I wish I'd had set this up properly, that image on the left is not real. It's completely computer generated, and if you could hear the speech, it's, it's speaking to, they took a copy of that man on the right, and then they took a copy of his voice, and they have it speaking, but I can't get it quite to work. And they're showing you all the things they can do. So they made him look younger and older. And they can do all kinds of uh, manipulation now. So you can't even believe uh, video. You cannot believe necessarily what you see. Because a lot of them... If I can... If I can get this any louder. Because I wanted to let you hear this. But we're in the age of deception. And Satan is going to use everything that he can to, to, to bring deception. So they are doing this now with celebrities. They're making them um, say stuff that they never actually said. I, I might not be able to do that, but I'll let it. I'll let it. I'll let it play. So he's having a conversation with with himself and saying, "No, you're not real. 
and, uh, and so on. And you'll see that they then, they have a picture of Obama, President Obama, and they put words into his mouth speaking. And we're, we're at the cusp where even the video that you see, you cannot believe, you cannot trust, because there's going to be widespread deception. So he's, he's right now saying that uh, this is what's happening now. And you know you have on TikTok, you have these filters, right? Make you look amazing. <laughs> Until, you know, the person sees you in real life and, is that you? <laughs> so um, there's all this deception that is available. Now, in this one, I had President Obama speaking, but he is not really him speaking. And you can go do it yourself. There are websites now you can go to... you. Take a picture of yourself, and you record your voice in there, and whatever you type, then it can have you speaking this. And so we're in the age of deception. We're in the age where these things are going to happen. Um, and that's what the, 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 principal, um, the principal thing that this, uh, the, 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 the mountain message from Jesus was about. Let me get back to, to where I'm at here. Sorry, I didn't have that quite where I wanted it to be. So Jesus said, beware of what? Sheep, wolves in what? Sheep's clothing. Because that was what was going to, to also be part of the, the age of deception. Thessalonians Two nine. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them what? A strong delusion. Amen. We are on the, the cusp where people can't even believe what is the obvious truth, right? That's staring them in the face. And we see this in the political realm as well, right? Not to get political, but you see what's happening in the country, don't you? And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. Because they don't want to believe the truth, God is going to allow them to believe a lie. So they shall come in my name believing that they're believers. Matthew seven twenty two says... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Now, it's not even that they're trying to deceive you. They believe that they're okay. They themselves are deceived. This is what Jesus is saying. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Because this whole thing is called the mystery of iniquity. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews. In other words, they're pretending and are not, but do lie. Behold, I'll make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. So what shall we do when we see deception? Well, we're going to, the Bible tells us how to deal with that too. It says you've got to test the spirit. You've got to test the spirit. You've got to be able to discern the truth. Now, if you're a spirit-filled believer, God will help you to discern the truth. In fact, in 1 John, he says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. 
and that this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Now, it's not just saying Jesus is come in the flesh. When you say it means, the word in the Greek means in agreement with. No devil can be totally in agreement with God. And that's why they won't really be able to live it. Spirits can say Jesus is, is Lord. They know that. The demons fear and tremble, but they cannot be in agreement is what it says. It says every spirit that is really not in agreement, they will not be able to say that Jesus is Lord. So we will be able to discern if we are spirit-filled believers when this deception comes. What about his other tests, wars and rumors of wars? Well, that one's an easy one. I looked up on the internet and I asked Google, how many conflicts are presently going on worldwide? And it gave me the answer of 27. And it colored in the map to show where all these conflicts are. Uh, that there are 27 ongoing conflicts worldwide. In fact, you look at the map and it looks like most of the, the land area is under conflict. And the tracker char- characterizes conflict into three groups. Worsening, unchanging, and improving. Right now, there's not a single conflict described as getting better. Not one. See, the prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. We are not to let the world get us discouraged or troubled. I will not leave you comfortless. Comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But he see me because I live, ye shall live also. Peace I, live with, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Twice in that chapter, Jesus says the same thing. Let not your heart be troubled. As I taught I think it was on Tuesday about entering his rest. When we enter his rest, we're the true Sabbath keepers because we're trusting in Christ. We're not worried about what's going to happen. We may not know from a day-to-day detail of what's going to happen, but I know that he has got this. He has got this. See, God has foretold in the future what is going to happen. In Isaiah 46.10, it says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. That's God's signature. There's no other book that has that kind of prophecy. Because I've asked. I've had Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door. I've had Mormons knock on my door. And I say, okay, show me in the book of Mormon any prophecy that was ever fulfilled. And you know what? They can't do it. I said the same thing with the Quran. I said, show me any prophecy that without a doubt, you know, not, not, you know, making up stuff, but plain that has been fulfilled. They cannot do it. But the Bible itself has thousands of prophecies. Thousands of prophecies of which I only told you the one with the wise men because that's so plain. But the Bible says in, in the New Testament, we have a more sure word of prophecy. That's why these things will come to pass. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. What was Jesus saying? He was saying the generation that starts to see the fulfillment of those end time signs won't all die out before everything comes to fruition. That tells me that we're close Because the start of all these signs was when Israel became a nation. So he's saying the generation that saw the beginning of that won't all die out before everything gets finished. 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We ran out of time. We totally ran out of time, and I'm only about halfway through. Could you stand with me? <laughs> to be continued. Same time, same channel, same Holy Spirit. <laughs> we just got about halfway in this. I got carried away. <laughs> We're going to continue next week because the Bible calls this time the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will, be, will let until he be taken out of the way. And in the, a modern translation, I put in three translations so you could kind of get what he's saying. In the NLT, New Living Translation, it says, For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. And it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. In the common uh, English version, it says his mysterious power is already at work, but someone is holding him back. See, Satan would have liked to do what he's about to do a long time ago, but he's been held back so that we could be saved, so that the last person could hear the gospel. It's, it's holding him back, and the wicked one won't appear until this someone is out the way. That's why I'm saying that once the Antichrist is revealed, it means the rapture is about to happen. You won't have no time to run to the church. It may be within hours, it may be within minutes of knowing who this person is, who is going to be personally possessed by Satan. I'm just going to go two more slides, and I'm going to stop here. See, the Thessalonian church, in his letter, he says, you know, he, he starts up by saying, you know what is restraining. He said, he told them, you know what is holding this back. Because the mystery of iniquity was already at work. It says, and now ye know what it withholdeth that it might be revealed in his time. He says, you, you church Thessalonians, he probably had talked with them before. And he says, you already know what I'm talking about. So there's two mysteries there, right? And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So Satan is a copycat. You know what he's about to do? The mystery of the iniquity is Satan manifest in the flesh. Because man now is going to try and become God. God became man. 2,000 odd years ago. But what's about to happen is man is going to try and become God. We are living in end times, and it's time for us to make our calling and election sure. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we ask to let it bless us, let it edify us, let it make us more determined, hallelujah, to make our calling and election sure as we see the times that we're living in. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit surround us, uplift us, heal us, deliver us. Lord, we just thank you right now, Lord. We ask for our, your blessing in our second service, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit move, have liberty to touch, to uplift, oh God, as we worship you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering this morning.